Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. Whether you're online or in person, raise your hand if God has overcome something in your life. Now also, um, raise your hand if there's something in your life currently that God needs to overcome. I appreciate uh, the songwriters that the church has had over the years. And there's been a lot of them. They've written a lot of really good stuff. Occasionally they may write something that's all right for a season, but it doesn't resonate in, in the life of the church. But I appreciate those who are able to put to song uh, the stories of, of who we are as the people of God. Um, and... Some of them just have this way with words. And so I appreciate today, as I was just looking at the words that we were singing, I was reminded of all of the different uh, images that were coming out from Scripture. Uh, That's why I love that we as a church are going through the New Testament today. Actually, a lot of the images in in the songs today happen to be from the Old Testament. And so uh, we're going to figure out how to get there soon, but I am excited that we are just committing to be a church that is in the Word. Uh, if you have been following the reading plan that we at Real Life have been doing, you know that we have left Matthew's gospel. We have uh, ventured into Mark's gospel, and I'll tell you what, the first few chapters of Mark have really rocked me because there's some things in there that... Uh, just really have my heart thinking. And so uh, I hope you are experiencing um, some great stuff. We've heard from some of you online, uh, some emails we've received, Facebook posts, that uh, you all are enjoying the journey. And so I'm thankful for that. Can I just encourage you with this one word? Um, There may come a time as you journey through Scripture where you may not actually enjoy it very much because it's kind of hitting you right at home. It's kind of like sticking its finger in your life and wiggling around and causing some discomfort. Um, I pray that that be true in your life. I don't want reading through Scripture just to be comfortable. I think it should be uncomfortable. So um, if you have your Bibles, we are going to turn this morning uh, back to Isaiah's uh, passage of Scripture. Uh, You've heard it from our lips a few times over the last few days, and it's just something that I think we need to hear in our day and age today. It's amazing to me how often we uh, are distracted or consumed by things in uh, the media, Uh, and I don't want to discount them. They are real things, and some of the things need to consume us, Uh, but we cannot be a people that forget that God has something to do in the midst of all the chaos, whether it's corporate, whether it's national, whether it's uh, around the world, or whether it's right there in the middle of your heart. So um, Isaiah chapter 43, again, Isaiah is one of the major prophets. 
Uh, the prophets were those that God used to speak to the people of God uh, in that day and age. And as we read in on this, as we kind of peer in on what uh, God was saying to them, I think we have a lot to learn here as well. So remember, first and foremost, the Bible was written to a specific audience. Uh, And some would argue that we are part of that original audience, but I, I think we do need to separate a little bit. You were not there when this first was written. You were not there when uh, the prophet first spoke it. You were not the original audience, but you are part of the audience. And so this morning, I just want to read for you two verses, uh, Isaiah 43. I'm going to read verses 18 and 19. But forget all that. We'll get to that in a second. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Heavenly Father, I pray that your word would become alive in us, that it would do what it's designed to do, and that is to confront us, to convict us, to give us life, to give us hope, to give us the promise that you have given to your people year after year after year after decade after century. Lord, thank you for your word. May it bear fruit in our lives. In your name, amen. So what is all that that uh, Isaiah speaks of? It says, but forget all that. Through the prophet Isaiah, God had just reminded all the people of all the things that they were familiar with that God had done. Uh, He talked about the mighty acts of God that were very present in the life of the people of God. You know, when God parts water, that's a pretty big deal, especially when the entire nation can walk through, not on muddy, murky ground, but on dry ground. That becomes a pretty uh, formative thing in in the people of God's life. Uh, And he lists other things that only God could have done. Uh, but he also remembers um, that, that they have also been a people who have journeyed through tough times. God says through Isaiah, but forget all that. All of the mighty things that I have done, all the really, really cool things I have done, forget all that, for I'm about to do something new. For the Israelites, probably the most formative story or narrative in their history was their enslavement in Egypt, their release from captivity, and their journey through the wilderness that took a whole lot longer than it should have, but then their deliverance into the promised land, the reality that God had said was theirs. This was so formative for the people that they would rehearse this story. They would retell this story. Uh, their festivals, their, their celebrations, their annual feasts were uh, formulated around that narrative. And so whenever they would gather together, they would say, oh yeah, I remember when God did that. I would encourage you to give voice to the things that God has done in your life as frequently as you can. When you are sitting uh, with people and Hopefully, you're sitting with people that don't know those stories, that you would say, this is what God did in my life. 
And I hope that they would be like, wow, God does that? And you can say, yes, God does do that. Well, how do you know? Because they did it in my life. I'm a living, breathing, walking testimony to the hope and restoration that God can do in, in a person's life. And as you do that, I, can please remember that God is not done with just that. I think oftentimes, and in fact too often, we in the church get in the habit of thinking that God's best is in the past. But I love how Isaiah just says that, that, that as God says it here, hey, that's all great, but I'm about to do something new, something fresh, something that's going to put all that into, um, into perspective. I guess what God is saying, as some might say, y'all ain't seen nothing yet. You have not even begun to see what I am capable of. What God had already done was only a precursor to what was in store for them. The problem for the Israelites, practically speaking, is the issue that we have here in our lives. We try to coast on those moments in our past when God did something mighty. I don't want to depend on what's in the past to carry me into the future. I think those things can be foundational for us. But that's not all that God is up to. God is not done with you yet. Um, God disagrees that the best is behind. God has something that will blow our hearts and our minds. And the cool thing is that he says in this passage of scripture, I have already begun it. So the things, the mighty things that you have encountered with God and the things that you are longing for to do in your life, those are a part of what he's already begun, but those are foundational. Please remember that. The things that God has done are foundational to what God wants to do in your life going forward. That wilderness that they found themselves uh, staring at that stood between them and the return to home, the return to what God had, had, had uh, given to them, uh, there were no pathways through that. And for the people to hear God say, I am going to make a path through the wilderness is a mighty word for people looking for pathways of hope. Are you looking for pathways of hope today? Are you that person who understands that wildernesses can be, they can choke out our life. They can suffocate us. And, and sometimes it's really hard to see, how am I going to get through this? but I know that God is going to make paths in the wilderness. I also love that he says here that he is going to uh, cut rivers into these dry and barren lands, which means that God is going to create pathways for what God wants to do, for the grace that God wants to pour into your life. God is going to make a way for those to get to you. Sometimes that's painful. I, 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 I'm not a, a geologist, but I know enough to know this. When rivers are created, it's usually because of some cataclysmic occurrence that has shifted the landscape so that water now is diverted to places that it was not originally. That, or humans, can come along with bulldozers and diggers and create canals into these areas. But God says, I am going to create rivers 
into the wilderness and it will water it and no longer will it be barren. No longer will it be dead. It will come to life. This is the reality of what God has always been up to. And it's the reality that continues even in our day, even in your life. What is God capable of? Think about that for a moment in your life. What is God capable of? Well, from uh, Isaiah 43, we read that God ransoms those who have been taken. Those who have been pulled away from where they're supposed to be. God says, I will ransom you. I will pay the price for you. Uh, We read that God calls us by name. You are not just a number. You are not just a part of a big amoeba. You are a particular person that God knows by name. God is uh, with us through deep waters. He does he will not let us drown. I love the, the, the story in the New Testament where Peter walks out to him and he gets distracted by the storm and begins to sink into the lake. And Jesus reaches out his hand and pulls him out of the deep water. There's something that I think maybe we forget about that passage of scripture. And it's this, Jesus was close enough to reach out and grab him. Let me put it a different way. Peter was close enough that he could have reached out to touch Jesus, but he got distracted and began to sink. God is with us in the deep waters. God protects us from rivers of of difficulty. God protects us from the fire of oppression. God will gather us. God will bring us together. But where is our attention? That is what I want to ask you today. Where is your attention today? We all are uh, looking at um, a monumental inauguration this week. Um, And I'm not sure how we will define the monumental part of that. But I know that it has our attention. People on both sides of the aisle, it has our attention. Um. COVID, it has our attention. Brokenness in our life has our attention. Things that when we wake up in the morning and we flip open to the news section or we turn on the TV, there's all these things that just consume our attention. And sometimes we watch and we watch and we watch because of all of these things that are going on and we want to know what's going on. We want to know these things. And can I just say this? When our life is consumed by spending more time watching the media outlets than it is in the Word of God, we should expect to be formed more by media than we are by the Word of God. And we need to be a people that remember that, yes, things happen in our world. Things are going on. We know this and we don't discount this. But the Word of God speaks to how we are to respond as the people of God. And so that's why we are just calling the church to be a people who read the word as a part of their everyday rhythm of life. If you would like to be a part of that reading plan, you'd like the list, you can go to our website and on the grow section, it's right there for you. And you can just hop in on where we're at, catch up if you want to. But uh, if catching up with where we're at is going to overwhelm you, just start where we're at. Join us in the reading. Uh, at least four days a week, Christy and I are posting uh, some thoughts on, the, on the, the chapter for the day, or the chapters for the day. Um, and so we just want to engage us all in the narrative of God that's going to far outlast anything that's happening in our world. 
we the people of God have uh, had a propensity for being distracted. Uh, one of those primary places was in Exodus 32 when the Israelites were waiting for Moses to come back down the mountain after having gone up to receive uh, the commandments from God. Uh, I, I don't know how long it took, but here's what Exodus 32 1 says. When the people saw how long it was taking, I call that impatience. You know, anyone know what impatience is, is all about? When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods. They were used to living in a land of Egypt that had lots and lots of gods. And they had been rewired to understand that it's okay to have lots and lots of gods. They were asking Aaron, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses, which I think is so funny that they referred to him as this fellow, as though he's like inconsequential, like he's just some bum off the street, like he's some guy who just wandered into their life, as opposed to a guy that God had inserted into their life. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. I am amazed at that passage because they still, in part, understand that it was Moses that brought them out of Egypt rather than God. It would be like you all looking to Christy and I to solve your problems and you actually having those problems solved, then all of a sudden you give us the credit when it's not us at all. It wasn't Moses. Moses and Christy and I and others who have led you spiritually are simply pointing you in the direction of the God who is up to great things, doing things that no one in their right mind would be able to do. They still don't get that God is the one who's leading them. And folks, in our day and age, we cannot let the distractions of this world uh, steal us away from the reality that God is still at work, even in the midst of the chaos. There's another narrative that I love, one of my favorite stories in Ezekiel chapter 37. It's the Valley of Dry Bones. It's, it's a, the narrative of a, of a, a valley just strewn with dry bones, which says to you that they had been there for a while their brokenness, their death, their decay had been there for a while because the bones were dry. And there was one who observed all this. And then there became this, uh, this wind that blew into the valley and there, they heard this rattling, this stirring. And, and, and you, ha- you gotta go read Ezekiel chapter 37. Go read it. But what we find is this wind which in Scripture, when you hear the, the, the wind, you can think power, you can think might, but you need to at least consider whether or not the wind refers to the presence of God in a situation. So this wind enters the valley, the bones begin to rattle, and they come back to be put together the, the, the way they were supposed to be. When we see valleys strewn with dry bones, do we see the potential of those bones coming back to life? Or are we defeated by the death and decay all around us? I sure hope that we are that people who are always looking 
for the power of God to put back together that which has been devastated in our lives. I hope that you are a people who recognize that with God there is always potential. We are not the end of our stories. We may see bones scattered around, but God sees all the pieces that are necessary to bring to life that which was or is dead. When we, say, when we see chaos in politics, do we see what God can do with a nation of politicians and citizens who find themselves fully surrendered to God? When we see the chaos of a pandemic, do we see what God can do through the pandemic and in the midst of it as well? What is your purpose? Why do you exist? Answering that question affects your vision because it reminds you of ultimately where you should be looking. In Psalm 139, uh, we are reminded that, we are, that God was the one who knit us together in our mother's womb. And in Isaiah 43.10, we read, you have been chosen to know me. If you want to know why you exist, listen to this. You have been chosen to know me, to believe in me, and understand that I alone am God. There is no one other than, than God. No one higher, no one greater, nothing above God. And you were created above all else, above learning a, a job, a trade, whatever. You were created to know and believe in God. And when we come to understand that God alone is God, that changes how we see everything. Because our life is not dependent upon anything other than God. So, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, regarding its shame. Jesus understands what it's like to live through chaos. That is not the end of our story because God takes the chaos and brings about life. If you go way back to the very first book of the Bible, the very first chapter, we find that there was just chaos, there was darkness, there was nothingness, and God spoke and the worlds were created. All that you see around us was created. And as one person once reminded me, if God created the heavens and the earth just for us, he may have gone overboard. But maybe the heavens and the earth, the galaxies and the universes, the stars and everything, and this world that we live in, maybe just maybe it's not just for us. Maybe it's to declare 
how mighty and how powerful God is. So when I look up at the stars on a dark, dark night, when I'm outside of Murfreesboro, I, am, I find myself in awe of the God who is not done with me yet. Not only do we fix our eyes on Jesus, but uh, we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, that is why we never give up. Now, I've read two scriptures today that for you to understand really what's being said, you have to read the context. That is why, why? That is why you, we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon come, soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. What troubles are those that have your attention? Name them in your life. Own them. Call them by name. But don't fix your eyes on them. You may need to deal with some things in your life. We get that. We all do. But ultimately, fix our gaze, fix your gaze on the things that we cannot see, the things of God. Christy mentioned it last week. I'm going to carry on her image uh, this week. Uh, the Selvages love puzzles. And as I was sitting there last week and she was sharing, I, I couldn't help but think about the process by which we create puzzles or we put them together. And the first thing that we always do is we find all the edge pieces. We look for all of the pieces that have straight edges, unless it's one of those crazy puzzles that doesn't have any straight edges. Then we're kind of out. But most puzzles have straight edges. They have a framework. And we put that together so we know the context in which the puzzle gets put together. Once we have the perimeter we can start seeing certain things that we can tie to the, to the edge. And from that point, we begin filling things in. But the second thing we do is once we have that done, we begin laying out all the pieces so we can see what we have to work with. Now, w what we normally do is we turn them all so the image side is up. It doesn't do you any good to lay all the puzzle pieces out face down. Um, because then you have no idea, except for those puzzles where they have the same image on both sides, and then you have a real problem. Um, but for the normal everyday puzzle, the framework is important, for it then allows us the context in which we will function. There's one other important part of our puzzle putting together process, and that is a picture of what it's supposed to look like. 
in 2021, what will the puzzle work of faith look like for you? For those of you who hate puzzles, please work with my image here. Um, what are those boundary pieces that need to frame your life so that you have something to tie your life to? What will prayer look like, look like in your life this year? Not just what do you do, how, what, but what do you want your prayer life to look like this year? Because um, I guarantee you, when we find ourselves in the presence of God, speaking and communicating with God, we will be reoriented in our life. That's why we want to pray together as a church. In everything we do, we want to pray together. And I would venture to say, I, I would just ask this of you. If you are ever together with people from real life, please don't go without praying together. Even if it's just for a meal, pray together. Pray for each other's needs. Carry each other's burdens with them. Pray with each other. And then I would venture to ask you to reach out and include other people that maybe aren't from real life in your prayers. Ask your neighbor how you can pray for them. What's prayer going to look like in 2021 for you? What will Scripture look like in your life in 2021? What if Scripture was more than the thing you go to when you are in trouble or when you are trying to prove that you are right and they are wrong? What will it look like to be formed and shaped by the totality of the Word of God rather than just the words from songs and pastors? What will humility look like Humility towards God and towards others? What about generosity? Generosity of your time, your talents, your treasure. How, how will you be generous according to the ways God has been generous? What will you surround yourself with so that you can find yourself right smack dab in the middle of God's amazing picture? This could be just another message, but I hope that today it's more than that, but it is a call to return your eyes and your heart to the things of God. And may they not be just afterthoughts, but may they truly be the source of your life. Church, stand with me. you're watching online and are able to join us as we stand we want to pray and as we do that um, our prayer today needs to be lord fix our eyes on you would you join me heavenly the father this morning we do want you to fix our eyes on you so god i pray that you would um you would deal with the distractions in our lives and then help us to deal with them. God, I pray that you would help us um, get the glasses or the contacts that we need so that we can actually see what you are up to in our lives. 
God, would you train our eyes to see that which maybe we have not been able to see yet? But God, might you do a work in us that draws us closer and closer to you, to the transformation that you are able to do in and through us. God, we pray today that you would help us not just be great contributors to our community and or our nation or our world, but God, that we would be people who see what you're doing and be able to help your kingdom come in our lives, in our homes, in our workplaces, in the lives of the people who maybe find themselves in the most broken state of their life. Lord Jesus, help us be the people that reflect you in such a way that others, when they go looking for Jesus, find us. Heavenly Father, do what only you can do in our lives. Make paths in the wilderness. Bring rivers into the barrenness of our lives. And God, bring about new life. Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen. Church, whether you are present here in the building, whether you are online with us now or will be watching us later this week, may you be the people who go from the gathering and be people focused on what God wants to do. And if you're having trouble seeing God for who God is and what God's up to, may we be that church that helps focus our attention. Until we meet again, be blessed and be a blessing. Thank you for joining us today. We would love for you to join us in person. Our address is 2022 East Main Street in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. If you'd like to make a donation to keep our podcast ministry going, you can do so online at reallifecommunity.org slash give. Thanks again for listening.